don't know, have man. you have you ever taken like a flashlight and shined it at the bottom of like an empty plastic or glass bottle full of water? It, well, it actually works as a really good illuminator. It's really cool. It's Yo, a clean that, one. That, though, right? that, was, that was my fishbowl. Well, yeah, you're not going to have a shit-filled fishbowl. That's just <laughs> gross. I mean, there are people out there who have some pretty disgusting fishbowls, man. Have you ever seen that? Uh, well, that, that's that fair, way? because let, let's be realistic. The most exciting so thing that happens is a fish tank. You got a fish swimming this way, right? And then you got another fish swimming underneath it this way. Okay? The fish on top takes a poop. The poop oh, falls down. Yeah, the fish swimming true. this way eats it. Realizes it's poop, spits it out, turns around, comes back, and eats it again. It's the most exciting thing that happens in a fish tank. Welcome into Ashes Pathfinders episode 159, where we're discussing eating fish shit, everybody. First, they would need to gather around and block the bite from the cold wind, for something within it seemed to diminish any flame they tried to spark. It was a tedious process, and for the brief moments, they all had a passing thought of whether or not the flame would be lit to provide them with much-needed warmth. The bite of the cold wind pressed harder and harder. They would need to steal their hearts from any thoughts of failure, lest doubt would eliminate their spark. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I am your host, Phoenix, also known as Simorg, and I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. Let's welcome back Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also, welcome back Half Tilt. Hello, hello. Good to see you again, man. And Faisal, welcome back, buddy. Greetings. <laughs> Good to see you guys in the new year, man. And last last time we did uh what was it, our January second show, we had just Daedalus and I. So we we OG casted basically is what I what we refer to it <laughs> as. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, you know, we've got some reflections here because uh well, I think Faisal, we caught you before the end of the year, um, which Jeez. we had we had talked about the um, some of the stuff and things, you know, that happened in the, the live stream. Now, half tell, I don't think we got your feedback on that yet, did we? Not, Not yet. Uh, I don't think so. So we're going to we're going to put a pin on that one and go on ahead and do the typical before we dig in. Going to give a shout out to all of those Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube and Patreon. Thank you for keeping this Communities Flames bolstering greater week after week. And also, if you don't already know, the home of this podcast, asheshq.com, bookmark it. It is the community curated website for all things Ashes of Creation. Um, friends, if you'd like to leave us a message via voice, you can do that by calling into 1 539 Or if you want to do it via text, you can do it two ways. You can leave us a nice, awesome five star view on iTunes. And you're like, where, where do I go to do that, Sim? It's linked over on at Ashes Pathfinder, which is our Twitter. Um, well, our Twitter profile, you can go there, go to the pin post at the top, click the links to all the places. The iTunes one is there. You can leave us a comment and we'll read it here on the show. Also, if you just want to shoot a message in, Pathfinder Grunt can get that to us at some point in time, whenever they're good and ready. You know, Vera time is a little different than Earth time, so who knows when that'll get here to us. But if you want to do that, send it over to ashespathfinders at gmail.com 
And you're probably wondering, how do they have a Gmail in Vera? Well, that's a different story for another time, friends. But <laughs> before we get started, we're going to also note one thing. Because it'll probably make its way into the show. I posted a new Ashes talk recently over on the Ashes HQ YouTube. It's also posted, obviously, on the front page of Ashes HQ. You can go over there and check it out. It's basically called Bigger Than You Think, discussing a point that we we touched on briefly, but we didn't really give it a very big snapshot conversation, which we'll probably do a little bit of that here. Um, but that's basically talking about the snapshots that we've actually gotten to see. We got to see, remember that one point in the developer live stream? And this is a good way to segue into that. But remember that developer live stream, how uh, Steven was basically talking, he showcased that Castle Siege kind of going on, talking about the player meshes and the characters and the animations. We noticed a lot of beautiful bald people because bald is beautiful. And if you looked around, you noticed there was like, you know, there was like literally siege like flying in the ammunition flying in and bouncing around. And you had the fighting going on in the keep that we've seen from Alpha One. And they were showing us a performance test. We actually, if you guys remember, and this is outlined in the video, so you can check it out, contribute your thoughts, do that on the uh, podcast as well, which will be posted later. But I wanted us to expand upon that. If you looked at it, Remember in September, we got another snapshot. I believe it was like post. Yeah, it was like two months post roughly. Uh, well, no, probably about a month post Alpha 1. And they showed off how they had been combining the meshes into one loadable uh, asset, essentially, or element, right? One load. And how it increased their FPS performance for a 1,000 people loading in at the same time. Now, I'm saying... Uh, sorry, characters loading at the same time, right? So a thousand characters where you would have had each individual component on their, uh, you know, their armor, their outfit, whatever, would have had to load all those individually. They talked about how like, well, we actually worked on some cool, made it to where all those load as a single mesh, but there weren't any animations at that time. It increased the performance pretty significantly though, from like, I think it was like eight, it was like somewhere between like five to eight FPS and it brought it up to about 20 FPS roughly. So that was September. And I think it's important to note that something we didn't really like expand upon, but this is actually pretty big because they showed off going to Unreal Engine 5. They also showed off the initial performance boost by being able to expand upon that even further, do some more work. Details are in the video if you want to check that out. But the important point is gained another 10 FPS. And in that clip that was shown in December, this past developer live stream, they were in the middle of combat. They weren't just static T-posed meshes this time. And it was 300 more. So it was 1,300 characters fighting with even further improved performance. So like, I don't know, man, just jump on in there and give me some of your thoughts, guys. I mean, if I'm talking about like massive fights and kind of what I would like to see this steady progress in terms of performance is critical. I mean, I don't know how many like large scale battles I've been in, like in terms of like MMO games where you go in, you're super jazz, you're super excited. And then you hit, you know, the Zerg or the, you know, the, whatever the fray is. And all of a sudden your system is like, Oh wait, hold on. And then you're kind of, stuck in the slideshow 
right? That just makes it much more frustrating. And frankly, I had that experience in a pretty recent game as well. You know, New World didn't necessarily have do the greatest job in large scale, um, large scale combat either uh, in terms of stability. Mm -hmm. And it, it totally kills the experience. So from my perspective, this is one of the most important things they can work on. I mean, the fact that they're still pushing the envelope and every time we see a major update here, it's upping the player count and it's it's something that's, you know, very commendable in terms of frame rates. This is I mean, this is good stuff. I mean, there's only one answer to this. More blood for the blood god. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> If it's either you be killing people in game or your PC dying, one of those two. <laughs> yeah. Also, I just want to note that over on Ashes HQ YouTube, there are shorts that have released in the past two weeks of Murder Bunny at his finest. So feel free to go explore. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, but I mean, the the true question is, can you do multiple battles one? <laughs> And how because many people, people? Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Like, if you have one battle that we just five hundred people, I'm like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's scale it uh, times three, but in different areas. Does that have a hindrance in the performance of server stability? Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. I'm I'm wondering if maybe on the back end they'll have tech to kind of host the processing of each of those battles on separate units. Rendering will happen locally still on the server and on your on your client, but hopefully on the back end they can delegate processing uh, accordingly. Mm -hmm. I I I don't know much about system architecture that way, but I would imagine it's very possible. Yeah, that's all a common chat too. Nice to see optimization at the forefront. Very rare in MMO scene. Yeah, I think I think it's actually very important because the the real talk is is that. the transparent development is a risky scenario because you know when you're doing that you're letting people in and seeing letting them see the good bad the ugly all the stuff in between if people don't like the bad and they want to frame it in a negative way i mean word of mouth is a powerful thing so it's it's definitely 100%. risky and that's worked negatively previously in apoc i mean that was a great example of you know like what happens when you kind of make some decisions people don't like and there's literally no NDA in place to like kind of protect that. People just go ham with it. That totally happened. You had people saying all these things like it's a BR now. It's not an MMORPG. And clearly that was bullshit. I mean, even even though plenty of us were going, not, not the case. I don't know how many times in APOC. I had a command on on literally chat for people to actually go to type in exclamation. I think it was exclamation BR. And they would type that in and it would be like, for reference, and it was literally explaining what this is, what it's testing, that the MMORPG is still in development, because I got tired of saying it. I was saying it a lot, and I'm just one person. There were tons of people saying it. Um, but yeah, it is good to see that they're actually working on these things early, because this is one of the big ones. And even though it's impressive, right, I, I'm stoked. I'm glad they're able to show us in a three month period, three months. You gain a 10 FPS increase and you're going from a static, you know, static 1000 to an animated in combat 1300. The thing is, is that's all great, too. But the the real test is different groups of people in different fights like Basil's talking about. 
doing their own thing, you know, with their own mission, their own agenda, with their own sets of skills and their own setup, you know, different different stat blocks and all that, all the things that impact, you know, performance. Because I mean, look at it this way, right? Some people might say, yeah, but it's like, you know, their stats really a big deal. Yeah, it is. Because if if they, you know, are, we're talking theory crafting, you're talking about elements of theory crafting. This is where that's something people don't talk about a lot. It's like how actual character builds can impact like stability as well. Like people don't always think about that. It is unique and it is a different like this is player agency 101. If people are set up to burst really good, right? Let's say you got a bunch of bursty people running around in a party versus like, I don't know, you got one play test where they're testing and collecting data or people are in a fight and the server's performing a certain way. Well, we'll say well. And then you have the same amount of people, same set of conditions, but their server's performing differently. Can builds impact that? 100% yes, because elements like well for killing people faster now you got the death and dying mechanic for an example right that's all got to be rendered you have people dying and there's certain elements like this or if you got one group of people who are like we're gonna just sit back and siege the shit out of everything versus maybe we all run up and fight you know in you know combat like group combat mm-hmm. you're gonna have ammunition dropping very very big differences so there's a lot of things to take into account and a lot of things to consider for sure. I really want to see, like, after a siege, just a battlefield mayhem. Just corpses and tombstones <laughs> everywhere, strewn equipment randomly throughout the field. And it's just, it just looks like actual war just happened. Like, that yeah. would be super cool <laughs> to see. I hope another, to see another a, cool a battlefield like that. Another cool thing after a siege and, like, the node was unable to defend itself, like, everything is on fire. That'd be sick. Yeah, Yeah. like 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 areas that are like destroyed and like walls, like Mm -hmm. maybe crumbling and like having fire on the wooden parts. That'd be sick. That'd be super super cool. I mean, but yeah, from a performance standpoint, like this is amazing where where they're at right now. As Kalen TV said, like the fact that this is a forefront of their design focus right now is paramount. It's foundational to the success of the game. You you can't have a system like this where you're running around at, you know, 15 FPS trying to figure out what's going on. I remember back in the day, granted it was largely my PC, I'm sure, running through Alterac Valley and in the Turtles when you get everybody at a choke point. Yes. 40 people on each side battling. And it just, it's a slideshow, as you said. And... You know, like it, it becomes very, very difficult to play. You know, you're in one spot one second, the next year, 15 feet away, and you've got almost no health left and you're stunned. And it's like, well, how did that just happen? I was over there casting an ability. Now I'm over there dead. And, you know, it, it, it becomes very, very difficult to try and play, uh, especially as a, a melee focus or somebody right in the fray of things. If you're standing back a little bit, it seems to ease off. So, it's really nice to see that this is a focus. I'm a really excited that Unreal Engine 5 and the Nanite is going to play a really positive effect mm. on how that rendering is going to happen. I do remember in uh, more earlier development phases that they had basically planned to give everybody more of a generic look. So you would lose your unique armor styles. You would u- lose your cosmetics yeah. in the heat of these battles for the sake of rendering and performance. Yeah. And, you know, th- that's just a sacrifice we're all going to have to make. It, I am really curious to see 
if Nanite's going to change that at all. And it, if they're going to be able to render in a little bit more personal detail and, and maintain the performance metrics that they are aiming for. I also am curious, I don't know if anybody knows this, but does Nanite play into spell effects and more animated things like that as well? My understanding is that it's more into the stationary type stuff, yeah. not so much the animated stuff, but I, I, I'm curious if I'm wrong on that or if I misunderstand. So if anybody or yeah. here or anybody in chat knows, correct me, please. Yeah, one moment here. Let me uh, let me take a quick look at that article post of bullet points I collected over on Ashes HQ. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I started doing it because I wasn't really very happy with uh, the summaries that I was seeing anymore. No, not knocking anybody. Time is vital, and not everybody's got the time to to make the same kind of notes and stuff. So I wasn't really too happy with like the notes being as short as they were um, from like the post at a few other places. So I started to have some of our homies here in the community come together. Um, yeah. So I think it was lumen. That is okay. There was a Q and a component. I remember specifically, uh, lumen's your lighting control, right? Lighting control. I think it might be nanite. Yeah. So what is nanite and how will that improve the visual aspects of the game? Nanite brings a new approach to rendering art and workflows. Uh, so for artists, this is great. There was a component here to where, where is it? There it is right there. The visual effects standpoint will be implementing Lumen into the skill effects. So that will definitely play. Lumen will play a, a factor in the skill effects component. Yeah. Knew it was yeah, because they'll act as kind of a light source. I actually, yeah. when they were, when Steven was talking about that in the dungeon example, I remember I had just watched a couple, yeah. like a week prior to that, the latest Diablo 4 uh, release information. And they were showcasing a very similar thing. I have no idea if that game is being developed on UE5 at this time. But they were showing the same thing because a lot of dungeons in that game can be really dark. And one thing they wanted to move away from was the artificially light dungeons that you saw in Diablo 3. And they wanted to get back to that dark evil vibe. So one thing they are bringing in as a result is that lighting as a result of spell effects. And they're showing the wizard casting like mm-hmm. orbs and stuff. And yeah. the orb is moving around the dungeon. Very similar to how uh, in the UE5 mm-hmm. example, you're carrying the orb. I think that was in one of the actual yeah. UE5 demos where you're carrying the orb through the dungeon and it works as a light source. So like that is super cool. A super, super cool thing. And mm-hmm. I'm really well, excited for that. But. What you're telling me with Sims bald head is shining. That's right, baby. It's going to be as brighter as ever. That's right. You just hold your light orb above his head and it's like putting a lamp in a fish it pool. And it just the effect. Wow. Did you say fish pool? <laughs> fish pool. No. It all sounded glorious until we got to that point, and then it was just kind of like that sounds crappy to me. I don't know. Have man. you have you ever taken like a flashlight and shined it at the bottom of like an empty plastic or glass bottle full of water? It, oh. it actually works as a really good illuminator. It's really cool. It's Yo, a clean that, one. That, though, right? that was that was my fishbowl. Well, yeah, you're not gonna have a shit filled fishbowl. That'd just be gross. <laughs> I mean, there are people out there who have some pretty disgusting fishbowls, man. Have you ever seen that? Uh, well that, that's fair like, because let, let's be realistic the most exciting thing that happens is a fish tank you got a fish swimming this way right and then you got another fish swimming underneath it this way okay the fish on top takes a poop and the poop oh, falls down yeah, the fish swimming true. this way eats it realizes it's poop spits it out turns around comes back and eats it again it's the most exciting thing that happens in a fish tank. welcome into ashes pathfinders episode 159 where we're discussing eating fish shit everybody you're welcome 
Tim, that's the most po- crucial part of the game. How do you think we're <laughs> discussing fishing? fishing? Okay. Speaking fishing of shit, needs to be discussed at one point. It is so getting clipped, right? <laughs> That'll be a nice that'll be a nice little intro clip for today's uh, podcast because I go and do this like little little clip from the the show. Something ridiculous being said. I put it in there and it's like, here's a teaser for the show. And then, yeah, it'll be great. This is the fish shit episode. Everybody totally sets the premise for the show. It really does. You know, (laughs) so in in discussion, though, I wanted. Yeah. Kaylin did did Mm -hmm. correct me on that with the. the nanite thing it, 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 it's based on the polygon mesh count and, and on for static objects so it's able That's to a, you're you're able yeah. to set the clarity of render based on distance so you're talking. which is going to be great for you know the solid things like castle the castle walls and whatnot yeah. even elements of you know siege engines could be considered static yeah. when they're not in motion so it'll be interesting to see where how that affects our overall render and uh, optimization. Yeah. So, I swear to God, I thought you said like fish poop count. I was like, what? Excuse you? No. <laughs> You're good. Fish poop is totally a static object. Yeah, I did. I did add okay. the uh, the articles command though now because if y'all don't know this, we've got uh, every page on Ashes HQ has an associated command. So you can type the command in chat. If you're like, oh, I want to go check out this page on this thing. All you got to do is use the command and there's a list of commands uh, for it. If you type in the right command and our mods can help you to direct you to that. But um, so if you ever you know want to do like a comparison or look up and get a little bit more information while we're doing a show, it's a really good way to synergize, like kind of looking at the info while we're talking about it, either educating yourself or thinking of like questions and things that you could potentially mm-hmm. add to our conversation here. Um, but yeah, anyway, so it, did you have any other real big takeaways or things that you noticed that I know you weren't here to really talk about it with us, but half tilt that you felt like from their last developer live stream that you wanted to make sure you kind of like chimed in on? Um, the the mantling uh, aspect. Oh, yeah. I, I, there's definitely a little bit of um, cleanliness. I think that there is room for there on, you know, just. I, I, I guess it'll be putting your collision on on the meshes for the objects and what, how you're climbing on them and stuff. It almost looked like they were climbing on the invisible a lot. But just the fact that we can do all that is super exciting. Like to have that kind of environmental mobility within an MMO, I am really excited for. There was, The worst thing is running into an object that comes up halfway up your shins. And this is impassable. Right. Yes, totally agree. When you're this God-powered character that can defeat mm. demons and gods. But I can't jump over a fucking curb, <laughs> dude. It's speed bump in my life, man. Come on, it's true. You know, like I understand not being able to surpass mountains and stuff because yeah. there has to be or limits on fences. zones. Yeah, and, and I would rather have that than mm-hmm. just some invisible wall. Yeah, in in the finished game, anyway. Yeah, but you know, to see that we can have that kind of environmental tra- trans words the, the ability to move around your environment that way is going to be huge especially in open world pvp like i could just see my ranger self running climbing up this little ledge and just trying to plink some dude with arrows and it's like you pop your head up cu- trying to climb up the ledge behind me and bam arrow in the eye and then i take off i'm yeah. super excited for that you know mm, i think locomotion changes too i mean we're going to tie this into some discussion points here that i, I made a few i made very very few, very loose ones, because I know it only takes a few topics to do a whole show. Um, so 
during Alpha One, and this is like something I can reflect on with other MMORPGs as well. Like locomotion traversal methods are really important. Um, if you don't do them right, the game just it doesn't make sense sometimes, or it can really cause like a pretty significant imbalance between classes. Thinking of things like charge, leashing. If you're like you know, if you like leash a carrot, you know, or do like a chain pull or something like that. Like you know, how do you want your physics to work in this in this world because people can make physics work how they want like people can fly in certain worlds right um in other worlds you can you can leap really long distances you can charge and sometimes you can charge through mobs or sometimes you can't because the mobs are impassable um or terrain but i think things like the rock situation that you're talking about specifically i think it's a really important one and i remember in alpha one uh you do the charge with the tank and you'd actually kind of get locked in this like you got your weapon up sort of thing you're like uh and you're like paused against like this short fence. You know, you don't go around it. You don't go over it. You're just like stuck on it. And I mean, clearly that's not something they had even planned to work on during that test. It was more of uh, server performance and stability and uh, rubber banding and things of that nature, which they did a lot of great work on. Um, but that was like a good example, because even in the Elder Scrolls, I remember it used to be like you were doing a charge ability. I think it was a charge ability and you could just like, charge up like straight up right to like the top of a keep and it was like really though like my charge ability this running forward rush method uh with my character i can just shoot straight forward up like that that doesn't work that doesn't make sense you know what i mean it's not a leap there are leaps in the game it shouldn't work like a leap so i think things like that are definitely important um but when we talk about fights um, and performance i wanted to hit on this for you maybe talk a little bit more about the parkour element um, and I'm seeing a comment in chat about parkour as well, which definitely something I want to expand upon as well. Uh, but I would do and I like kind of bring this to note, uh, point to note here for the conversation of the show. Um, and that is when we think about fights and performance, we know what their goal is like 500 v 500. That's what Steven's been mentioning. It seems to be a pretty solid reference point. I think he's probably aiming for higher than that because why not? But this has always been an issue for a lot of games. So when you think about delivering on, well, the massive and MMORPG, right? They want to bring the massive back to MMORPG. This is foundationally one of the most important steps from my perspective. So from our, you know, in our minds, like we think about large scale, not just PVP, but just large scale events in the open world in general. Um, when you think about, massive fights or sieges or no, you know, node sieges, castle sieges, uh, guild wars. When you think about large open world boss fights and things of that nature or PVP, um, what has to be in place for you? What's like acceptable in terms of like performance problems that are understandable and what for you, like, where do you draw that line before this is like unforgivable? Cause this is just too much, but this is like, okay, I can understand it. Because I think if we're, we ever think from the perspective, and maybe this is just me having very tempered expectations, um, I would never have the expectation. I want to do a large 500 v 500 fight and have no performance issues ever. Like if I go into it with that expectation, I, I believe I'd be let down by any game. What do you all think? What's, what's your kind of like line? Very funny. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I I can't imagine going into a game expecting, you know, single player or small group performance in that kind of 
a, um, a size scale battle or that kind mm-hmm. of arena. That to me, that's just inconceivable right now because I haven't seen that reliably performed. I've never played Planet Side Two, which apparently is the best example of large scale combat in in this example. And yes, a lot of the some of the team from the development of Planet Side Two is here for Ashes, which is great. So that yeah. means you know we've got the, we got the best uh, trying to push the envelope further, which is great. But I think if they want to achieve a stable 500 versus 500 high performance battle, that's a thousand (laughs) characters plus NPCs, plus spell effects, plus environmental effects, plus siege weapons, plus all these things going on at the very minimum. I think they have to push for like a 600 or 700 versus 700 thing in a testing environment. Sure. Whether that never hits live. It's the same when you do training for anything or, like martial arts or sports or anything, you always train way harder than what you expect your game performance to be, what you expect your competition performance to be. Because you need to set yourself up. A boxer doesn't train for 10 rounds. They train for like 15 so that they can go the 12 when they need to go the 12. Right? Like that's when you get to that top level, and this is where Ashes is aiming for, is that top level right now. That's what you have to do. If if you set your bar at 500 versus 500 and that's where you, okay, we hit the, we hit it, that's it, then I think they're going to fail. Because mm-hmm. exactly the point that Faisal brought up earlier, what happens now when you've got those same other battles going on on the server yeah. at the same time? Mm-hmm. So they need to set the bar higher than that internally for testing and go from there. You know, it's just, an electrician doesn't put a 100-amp fuse into a 100-amp circuit. You know, you, you just, you, you always overshoot and expect just a little bit above. Yep. Got to plan for the unexpected or at least, you know, be prepared. I think I, I do do saw a comment in chat too. And, and this is kind of to piggyback off the parkour discussion or to really just sort of dig into that component, because the, this is something that when they said, Okay, here's my character. Steven showcased the right my character falling off and how I can grab the side, you know, how I can grab and I can go up and scale, etc. But here's here's the thing, right? I I have like I have hesitation about everybody parkouring to a degree. Like I think there's gotta be a line or limit to to like everybody's limits of parkour and interaction with like being able to traverse something getting up over a fence or a small wall or whatever um, without a stamina mechanic being implemented and everything. I I think that if they're going to stay true to what they talked about, which is remember the discussion on roll dodging, for example, they, they talked about how they want roll dodging to only exist for certain classes to where it will make sense. Like you look at a ranger or rogue or something. It, it makes I thought sense. the parkour was only limited to what's it called, the rogues. Well, right. So, like, okay, here's the thing: they they never really committed to parkour along the way. There was the True. the right. There was the rogue video, though. I, I know your reference point, right? Back in the day, the early days around Kickstarter, they had this like cinematic about how like a rogue could sort of like parkour up there's like this whole video of one going in taking a relic but that was really for more of like this presentation of like ooh, imagine a person going in and like you know thieving and stealthing in and doing some espionage or some sort of like yeah but they kind of talked right about the point where yes every class is supposed to have its unique yes. thing 
Yes. So Rogue was parkour. Like Would the make maid sense. Was, supposedly right. opens mystery right. yep. mystery doors to Absolutely. Dungeons. Class skills or, and stuff, right. 100% yeah. agree. But that's, that's a long time ago. They could have changed it, that. Exactly. <laughs> right? So that, that was like, because, yeah, because like even back in Alpha Zero, you had like that, that sort of ability that was specific to a class. Yeah. Right, it, I remember yeah. it. Used them. I, I know it existed. Right, so the people who played in packs as well. Yes, in the yep. demo that they played, they yep. literally had to like make the gas cloud disappear as a mage. So I don't know if they're sticking by that. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but that's like four years ago. Right. <laughs> so so he, that's a good point, though. Right. So where where are we gonna like so class abilities check. We got class abilities, right? And then we got utilization of mechanics that are only going to occur by a specific class. So, right. So there was class abilities check. We put that in one, one little area over here, put that in category a category B is discussion point on being able to roll dodge for only certain classes. Makes sense. You're if you're like a more of a physical fighter, like a tank or or a fighter or rogue or ranger or something, it makes sense to roll dodge. Mm -hmm. Right. So if traversal methods like parkour exist, how where do you draw the line on how that's utilized minimally for everybody versus maybe in a larger scale, like Basil said, like maybe if I'm a rogue or ranger. I have a, a method of parkour that is more expansive than if I'm like a cleric who gets to this like small, like half tilt talked about the small little stone wall. And I could literally just go put my arm up there and pull myself up. Like makes sense. Where do you draw the, the line on that? You have any thoughts about that guys? I mean, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I, I kind of feel like it's gotta be a sliding scale. Um, and I think it's they also have to balance like how potentially like I want to say game breaking it is. But, you know, what I think they talked a little bit about um, this, maybe in discussions, not necessarily as much on the stream, but even mm -hmm. like the the, um, you know, the crouch ability and being able oh, to right. like yeah. have like a a trade off there. I kind of feel like they need to do the same thing with the parkour. Uh, I I think it makes sense to be part of a rogue um, archetype ability. I'm just thinking, okay, well, what about if a cleric taking a rogue secondary? Does that open up access to any of these parkour skills either? Like that's a decision point they need to make as well. Um, so yeah, mm -hmm. I I would say that there there's a few options they can go, but I'm definitely a fan of differentiation so kind of a sliding scale and saying there might be like a for example a strength of a rogue to have this ability to parkour but it does have some sort of limitations or some counterbalance point as well like you're maybe more vulnerable to range maybe there's a bonus to damage against you from a range perspective uh, you know just like throwing out ideas here but there's got to be a way to balance that out so it doesn't become you know, the only way you need to play in order to be successful, right? I don't want it to be a meta thing, but I do feel like there's got to be some differentiation here as well. 
I, would I, you make that to class or to race? I would say class. I don't think race should be a factor. I mean, we talked about racials and racial bonuses before. Yeah. And I think that is also a slippery slope. Um, I mean, we had that. Go ahead. The only, the only reason I'm asking you this is because do, doors need to crouch in order to go through things. <laughs> true. Yeah, that, that is very true. Oh my you know, god! Depending, depending on the they do, but their crouch only lowers them this much versus everyone else that lowers yeah, them you know, like right. two feet. Scale that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They might be able to get into smaller spaces. You never know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, I think it's important, like with racials as well. Is like we all remember that discussion we had a while back around like racials and you know the wow component of it yeah. and how. It went all over the board where it's like if you, you know, made a priest, it had to be a dwarf because you needed fear ward. Right. And obviously that's that's no longer a factor now, but that's kind of how it started is you had these abilities that were meta and, you know, you wouldn't get invited to groups or you were not necessarily a priority to be in a raid because you didn't have this exact X, Y, Z. Right. Um, so I, I think that's going to be the slippery slope that the team is going to need to kind of, you know, tote the line on because you're going to have like things like parkour. Right. Which is great to kind of see it in action, um, even in its early stages. But yeah. you also have to think one of the things that I think uh, Intrepid has been pretty good at is trying to anticipate like the future and trying to make decisions. Um earlier on i just hope they continue that trend in order to be able to um make sure that they're not having to roll back like a major thing right you're Mm -hmm. always going to have like ebb and flow with any game in terms of balancing but those Mm -hmm. major points like that are fundamental to how a class feels i think they just need to make sure they try to get right the first time um and this is definitely one of them i think right I, I I like the idea of like rogues or even rangers, you know, classes that have just that kind of more inherent or implied a mm-hmm. m- mobility aspect to their design, having a bit of an advantage here. I think every class needs to have the ability to traverse the same environment. Like what if you're trying to mechanically run through a dungeon and oh oh no the cleric's not a rogue so they can't make this jump or climb over this object or do a wall jump here you know if if you require the mechanic in the game to get from point a to point b you have Mm -hmm. to make it accessible to every class you can't pigeonhole or, or or gate an area of the map because of a class decision i think that is a major pain point for a character. So I think everybody needs to have the same ability. I think the way you kind of balance it out the best and for every class to give the rogue that feel like they can do it better still because they're a rogue and and sure, maybe they can do it better is you tie it into the stamina bar that you have when you're sprinting, right? So you're, when you dodge roll, when you make, jumps or parkour type moves it depletes your stamina bar by a certain amount and maybe based on your class's agility or uh, and so certain uh skill augments or anything like that it impacts how much you take each ability takes away or depletes that stamina bar so if you're a rogue 
and you've specced into movement abilities or you've taken rogue secondaries as a ranger or something, you can probably get transverse anything you want in succession. But then afterwards, you're going to be depleted and you can't dodge roll for five seconds, 10 seconds. There, That's the combat penalty that I think Daedalus was talking about. And I agree, that is very important to have that. Right. There has to be that that uh, trade-off there. Now... Can we agree mm-hmm. that the tank shouldn't move? <laughs> Honestly, I was when Sim was t- talking about the different like charge abilities and whatnot. I'm thinking a tank or a fighter or somebody. If you're specced high into strength versus mm. agility or something, maybe you don't jump over the fence. Maybe you just smash Break through the through fucking it. fence. That'd be cool. Like that would be a really cool effect to have. That'd be. Thick. Whereas when you when you augment with a mage's teleport ability, you just teleport to the spot and, and slam them down. But if right. you're specced into like a double charge, maybe you charge right on through it. Uh, or, right. or or they could make it stat based based on strength or agility whatever whichever stat is higher mm-hmm. for your class or above a certain threshold you now get to do that and it brings that um, itemization into the play now a little bit too into your builds and giving you that kind of build diversity i think possibly adding the ability to jump a little bit further or sprint a little bit faster or be able to like do a chain jump a, a double jump not in the air but mm. like off like jump onto a wall and then off that wall again might be something really cool you add as an extra effect for like a rogue or somebody who's secondary to rogue and, and decided to augment their movement ability with the rogue's movement abilities just to give that extra little bit of flavor to the class that makes it feel authentic but beyond that, you can. I, I absolutely. I'm a firm hard line against having movement abilities beyond combat advantage for any for one class over another, because now that implies environmental um, aspects that you can't obtain on another class. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a solo player and I'm playing a cleric, feels bad, man. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah, I would love to get like an augmentation for the rogue to get a teleport strike. Oof. Wait, um, Oof. equipment weight having a big play on that too. Yeah, like I mean, if you're wearing if you're wearing full plate yeah. armor, mm-hmm. then your parkour abilities are going to use up a lot more stamina than if you're wearing cloth armor. Yeah, or, or like you know, because like they they talked about like th- there's no, no plan for stamina right as a resource, but it but but if they do something similar and they don't want to use it as a resource, I actually wouldn't have a problem if they had it as a resource in the game, but if they do it, I think it's important that it makes sense. And I think it's important. It's utilized for specific classes too. Cause I don't really see like a, like if you got, here's my worry with like them having a resource for stamina is you end up getting in this position to where stamina is utilized for like some of the, you know, use it for some of the different like mechanics in the classes and you end up getting this advantage to where the resource pool gets utilized by like casters in a way that it shouldn't be used um i actually like this sort of like you use a roll dodge and then you don't have access to it for a minute and maybe like adjusting the time so that way uh, you know if you're like someone who's who's like you know it makes sense that to utilize like those types of abilities you maybe get it on cooldown more frequently than if you're like um I don't know, like uh, someone who or it shouldn't happen. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think this 
the idea of like the class kits being unique kind of plays into that. And plus the choices that you make. I mean, we talked about the choices you'll make and how you augment what type of armor you're wearing. All that should play in. I I agree on the stamina bit. I'm, I'm still on the fence on whether or not I would like, like or dislike. Cause we, we've tried, you know, we tried some of that in APOC already. Yeah. Um, And obviously there were, you know, ways that that was, you know, used and seen as maybe not the greatest design choice. And the team kind of worked on that a bit and decided maybe that they're not going to have that as an option, like at least at this point in time. Right. But I do, I do feel like it's important with any of the <laughs> like classes that you do have a way to tailor the class to your playstyle. There's going to mm. be a baseline playstyle with each archetype, I would imagine. Right. But I think it's important for us to have options to really customize. And that will be like the augmentation system is my hope. You know, what type of armor we're wearing, kind of what those bonuses look like. And one thing that I did, you know, like about, um, you know, New World's like equipment load system is you do you did have a trade off. You could be much more mobile and be kind of more of a glass cannon build in lighter armor set um and versus like being maybe being a little more tanky and not being able to move as much in a heavy Mm. armor set or a heavy equipment load now granted there were some other issues with it that you know i I won't rant on at this point in time but (sighs) the end of the day right it was it was a way for us to customize our play style so i would like to see things like that and maybe as opposed to a stamina bar i liked your idea sim of maybe having like a cooldown and and depending on your class or your whatever stat potentially could you know feed into that yeah uh, you could maybe have a longer timer on when you could use that ability again um to balance out like that kind of whole roll dodge roll spamming that you could potentially do if you just you know timed your um your stamina bar refill you know in the right way uh and I think the movement speed, like just using your example of a mage, um, you know, I think having the ability to magically dodge is, in my opinion, what makes differentiates a mage from a rogue, which, you know, may actually have to dodge. Uh, so I think there's there's ways you can still achieve the same goal of having that point and counterpoint, and you don't necessarily need the same mechanic to accomplish that. Um, but as like, you know, just to reiterate, like something that, you know, uh, half tilt said earlier, you've got to have a baseline of what types of like, you know, traversal all of your characters are going to have and the environment needs to be able to be balanced accordingly. Now that's not to say that the environment has to be, um, that you won't have a rogue that might have an advantage. They might be able to climb up higher and get a different vantage point. Like a ranger might be able to do that. I would actually be okay with that up to a point, right? Because the counterpoint to that is having somebody like a mage, which has a ranged attack that can pick the guy off. Right. Uh, as opposed to um, I mean, climbing up after him. But, but what you're asking is like, this is going to take a lot of time and testing. <laughs> Like oh, absolutely. 
Uh, I, I think you also I, I run into an issue there with having a fighter or a tank in a combat situation. If a rogue mm-hmm. or a ranger, especially a ranger who's a ranged attack, can climb out of range to a place that's inaccessible to yeah. a melee class, I think that then poses its own problem and allows mm-hmm. for basically somebody just to stand there and pick people off, especially in an open world PvP. Like, I'm just going to go corrupt mm-hmm. and stand up here until some range class comes along and I'm going to log out. <laughs> Well, yeah, but there's there's ways to counterbalance that too, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the balance isn't 1v1. It's going to be group versus group. So you're mm-hmm. going to have some classes in a one-on-one that's going to be like a you know, rock, paper, scissors type of balance. And that's the nature of the beast because you're never going to get 100% balance. There's always going to be one class that has that ability if they use it you know, skillfully will be able to win the day. Um, now, granted, I probably was a bad example, like being able to climb out of range, but there's there might be other abilities like, you know, an invisibility or some sort of dash or something, right, that gives a, an escape ability to one class versus the other that there's got to be a counterbalance to. So it's all about, again, choices, um, being able to balance, um, you know, as a group, how you're going to manage that, um, those encounters, and make those choices meaningful. Don't uh, don't make every like don't make certain options. I win options only, um, and I think that's going to be where the lot of testing. You know what this is going to get fine tuned, and I think the other thing as well is it doesn't have to be everything always at launch, right? There's things that we can do to set a baseline at launch and then build on those skills because over time right these classes are going to evolve there might be new abilities new augments new content that requires these new abilities and new augments so you just have to kind of think through that that this is a journey it's not just you know where they're going live and they're done yeah you know i actually don't mind having like roll dodge on every character because i mean it makes sense if you can all do it I just think it would be really cool if like a cleric roll dodge and got smacked. You know what I mean? Anyway, like maybe like you imagine if it was like a dice roll, like you roll dodge as a cleric and your evasion's like dookie, right? You don't have like any of those evasions that like a fighter or like a rogue or somebody would have. So you still get clipped and hit anyway, versus like the rogue who roll dodges and they're like nothing. Rolls off of a cliff, you know, rolls right into a meteor shower. I mean, it's like right. that. that's going to be me so much. <laughs> okay. I was about to say, are you describing my cleric experience my right bad. now or what? <laughs> if I'm not oh rolling God. off a cliff in the middle of a pivotal battle <laughs> and killing myself and I'm doing something wrong. I hate it with that. Happens. I'm just not trying. Yeah, my forte yeah. is getting stuck on a rock, <laughs> and then Sim bubble hearthing out. I mean, it's that, that's what happens. We've established it's possible to bubble leave combat. Well, I mean, technically, you can bubble hearth in Ashes, like right. You basically got your like ultimate protection as a tank, ultimate defense. You pop that, and then you're just like, and control T. Ultimate defense, ultimate BS, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. Yeah, that happened in Alpha. But will control T be in the live game? I suspect not. 
Absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. So it'd be like what? If you're gonna have to get a little bit more resourceful with your uh, ninja leader escape plan. Oh, there uh-huh. it is. There nice. it is. We waited. <laughs> I'm like shocked that it only took fifty something minutes for you to hit me with that ninja leader. I was like, gonna start the year off clean and not bring it up, but I mean, you? when when you set it up that easily, you just can't take yeah, it. I can't, can't help not it. take it. <laughs> yeah, pretty like much. Indiluting candy from a baby, man. Come on. I mean, I can't. Didn't, I mean, I can't confirm or deny anything. You know, that's it, like that's like somebody setting up a t-ball in the World Series for a grand slam, doing man. nothing. Yeah, and going, no, nah, I'm good. I'll leave it right there. It's like, but I'm gone, man. That'll be the ultimate fail. Dude, yes. You need to get a better lawyer. Say, saying that I don't, uh, I I don't need a lawyer. Anything. <laughs> it's I, just it's not cutting it anymore. <laughs> it, it's fine. It's fine. You can take it for whatever y'all want to, but I can't confirm or deny anything. <laughs> it's it's funny, man. Yeah, you know it, it is funny though because the when you've got the developers reinforcing the narrative, I, what are you gonna do? You just gotta go with it, even if it is bullshit. And by, and by go with that, I don't mean actually ninja loot. I just mean have fun with it. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't clip that. I'm just kidding. Oh my god. Uh, just, anybody got? I hope the there's a yoink sound effect in the game. <laughs> I just need a sands of time. Where's my dagger? I need to roll that shit back. I'm fine. It's gonna be okay. I think. I got one other reference point I want to hit on. <clears throat> So people have their criticisms of combat. We're we're clearly not in a place. I wish we were in a place where we were already playing, man. I do. It, it sometimes it's tough, man. You know, I'm like. I'm patient. I want to be playing. When's Alpha 2 going to get here, though? Oh, I'm I can postpone criticism of the combat system until they've launched them all. We know we're going to get all the archetypes base base archetypes all right and by base i say you're gonna get your eight archetypes you're not base means you're gonna get their toolkits minus augmentation no we're getting that and we're gonna get to tinker with the races we already know this year probably in the next few months we're gonna we're gonna get to see the character customization like toolkit right they're gonna challenge the community to basically go create your best looking here's a character for you see see how close you can get get to that Cool. That's a fun way to engage in the community. I love that idea, right? Stoked about character creator. Stoked about, you know, play the races to see nodes go beyond what we have so far. Um, to see the seasons, to to see doing naval anything, getting on a boat and actually rolling around the open seas. The, the artisan systems, we've got a really rudimentary snapshot that I would say is not really representative of anything other than giving you a, you know a loop to, to run around in basically in alpha one. It was just, it was just there for people to do stuff and things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, alpha two is going to have a lot. We don't That's have any point. Really good preview of the game. It is. It is. It should be. And sadly, least... yes. And sadly, we don't know when the hell that's coming. <laughs> no idea. It would be great if we got like just the basic here's the goalposts that we got to hit before we can announce a date. 
it'd be nice to know what the goal those goal po posts are and like where we're kind of at on it even if that's all they do is go here are the goal posts we're working on before we can make an announcement and here's where we're at in terms of like completing them that that's that's i'd be happy with that i'd be good with that it'd be good to kind of know like where that momentum's at in terms of like progress bar or whatever you know even if the progress bar is going we got to get through this progress bar before we can even you know contemplate an announcement date or you know develop one for you i'm cool with not knowing i just kind of want to know you know from point a to b b being an announcement like where we're at on the progress bar um but yeah revisiting expectations for alpha 2 when you think about what half tilt said and i agree it's going to be a the best snapshot you're going to probably get of what the game's going to be like what are what what are some really good tempered expectations cuz people are going to have a lot of expectations around alpha 2 knowing how much is going to be in in the game at that point i mean i'm going to probably actually... I oh, actually don't know. Yeah. Because like Tough. like it's it's alpha two. What do you expect in an alpha two usually? <laughs> well, that's see, that's a good question because most games don't really have like from from my tester experience, I've tested a lot of games, not all of them, right? So I can't vouch for every game. There probably are some games who have split their testing phases up in that way. I just haven't been a part of them if they have. They're doing it different. Like they're they're splitting it up into uh I would say more measurable snapshots of testing. Um alpha two being the second part of the alpha and the bigger part of the alpha that's expected to go on a long time. It's hard to know. It's hard to even like make that comparison for me because I'm just used to there being like an alpha and a beta. You know, and sometimes there's like phases in regard to like what you know who they're let how many people they're letting get in to test in those phases but not really mm -hmm. ever i've not really ever had a period of time where it's like alpha one alpha two beta one beta two and you're going okay shit like you know i know alpha two is gonna last a while though so that, that's what like we've been told like yeah like starting from alpha two and beyond is supposedly like a very long time of testing mm. yeah i mean i i think they need at least a year in alpha 2 that's just me people may not like it or whatever there's tons that they can add even if we know you're going to get you know races base archetypes you're going to get no development you're going to get maybe start implementing in things like seasons you're going to pvp content pve content i mean the, you look at like the core pillars of the game and you're going okay you're going to get that but there's like layers man there's lots of layers like there's open world dungeons there's pvp combat around those things there's caravans there's pvp combat around that there's castles there's pvp combat around that there's caravans that tie into specific have a specific function for people who are running castles there's no development there's social organizations right there's breeding there's all the artisanship stuff but is is everything still placeholder or can we judge it and criticize well heavily question mark that's the good question can we heavily criticize it yes but only when they tell us this is representative of what's going to be in the game i think until I we so. i think until we get to that point 
I think we're all just kind of rolling with it, right? Like, how would they say that? I mean, personally, I think... Yeah, personally, I think Alpha 2 is going to be a a bigger vertical slice. I'm not... It's going to have all your base systems in there. And they're still, I would say, subject to change within reason. And as far as, like, feedback is concerned, hell yeah, we should be giving feedback. I don't think we should wait for... You know, absolutely the team to come uh, back and say, OK, well, not, now this is representative because the thing is, like they they're not going to change their vision. But if like their execution of said vision does create some, you know, unexpected things like we were talking about, things are going to change. And I think, um, you know, there's been some feedback, you know, in chat. I think Kaylin TV mentioned something mm-hmm. about it like having some concern about um, Alpha 2 and people losing interest if things aren't going to go exactly how they expect it. No. I mean, that's going to happen. Yes. This game isn't for everyone. Yep. There's going to be bugs. There's going to be things that look great on paper that don't feel great in execution, and it's just going to mm. be a process. And I absolutely agree. I hope they keep this in alpha for as long as they yeah. can and get the feedback. But mm-hmm. uh, I just know like what they've said is they don't want to reveal everything during these test phases. They want still some level of discovery. So there's going to be that level of unknown with it. But um, personally, but do you think when, when people basically on the internet to rage, do, uh, do you give them credit or not at that point? Mm-hmm. In alpha two. Would you say I I would say no. And I'll because first of all, anyone that rages is arguing, they're not forming a cohesive argument, right? When you're raging, it's it's emotional based, it's not fact-based. If somebody's giving feedback and it's critical, yeah, then I I will listen. Criticism, no. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. Right, because I mean, Sim and I and all of you guys have given feedback where we say, yeah. oh, you know, this this didn't hit the mark, and here's mm-hmm. why. Right. So I don't have a problem, and I don't think Stephen or the team have a problem getting feedback on things that aren't working. <laughs> Hell, they went and changed things because enough people had enough evidence that said, hey, this isn't working, so they changed it. Right. Um, like just one really simple example, the animation for the fireball, like everybody was like, no, that's taking too long. That's going to create an unfair advantage for anyone that's, you know, Mm -hmm. um, for any mage in a, in a battle because it's taking too long to animate like simple example, but that's where the team said, okay, well, yeah, you're right. You know, makes sense. Let's change it. Um, so, Mm -hmm. so I think while it'll give people like a reasonable idea of what the game is going to look like, I'm not going to necessarily form like a final opinion until we're closer into the beta cycle as things are getting polished. Cause you're still going to have bugs in a beta phase. Um, you know, as, as evidenced by some games that released that still felt like they were in the beta phase. Um, (laughs) So, so I would just say that's how you temper expectations is you just give, you know, constructive criticism, you cite facts, you have evidence, right, of certain things. And at the end of the day, it's still going to be design choices that Intrepid are going to make. But I would just say keep the feedback coming. I mean, that's the whole point of open development is to get feedback. That's not to say every piece of feedback um, 
mm-hmm. is going to make it into the game because, you know, as, as I am a fan of saying in my day job, feedback is a gift. It's not always a good one. Um, and you just have to, like, pick through what makes sense, what aligns with the vision, what gets, you know, the team closest to what they how they want the system to work. And that's not going to make everybody happy. You're going to have people that rage, um, whether they're justified or not justified. I think the Mm -hmm. important thing is to, you know, balance like that emotional response you get for being really passionate about a game with facts and how we can, you know, improve the game overall for everyone. Because at the end of the day, that's the point here. And, and so I would just kind of close with this is, this is going to be a bigger vertical slice. It's not going to be everything. Um, and over time, it'll get to a state where we can really judge it. But in the meantime, we can provide feedback. Right. Um, and if things still don't change, well, then maybe this isn't the game for you know that person. Or maybe it's something we just need to cite some more clear evidence on. Right? It's just a, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's... We can only influence the development so far. It's still decisions that Intrepid needs to make for themselves. Yeah, and I think there's a huge difference, too, that we have to keep in mind that the difference between, like, ranting and raving and and kind of raging uh, versus, like, offering constructive criticism, being engaged, or, like, having, you know, like, a, a you know, a positive rhetoric like you can argue points and perspectives all day but like if if what you're doing is like this game sucks and i hate it versus this wasn't a good experience for me because i was you know doing a b and c and x y and z happened like if you don't have like that information like it doesn't help to provide anything for the game but i did see a comment in chat too saying walk at a fine line you know, being, you know, need to show enough that's polished for, you know, an alpha two state. Yeah. And I can agree with that. It, it's, it's tricky because there's, there's, a, I mean, if, if new world taught us anything, I've said this a lot of times, right? I didn't play it. It's not for me. It never was. It never will be. It, it just isn't my thing. Um, clearly isn't my thing with the issues that I had duplicating items, all the problems that I had, we talked about it before, you know, um, you know, but the thing is, is like you get if it taught us anything, you're going to have a lot of people that there are a lot of people that want to play a good, honest game that can just deliver on its vision. Right. I would argue that a big part of the reason that New World has seen the problems it's seen is that it I don't believe it delivered on a quality game experience. Right. Vision was sort of ambiguous anyway overall i mean it was clear on like what the points were but in terms of like this grand scheme of thing like what's the story what's going on here uh what's the future look like it, there wasn't really like any idea of like you know the foreseeable future it was just like here's your game go play it here's what you can do in it um ashes has provided something very different though it's saying this is the vision of the future here's why you're here Here's what the path is, you know, and 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 this is how the future can sort of unfold. And a lot of that does tie back into player agency. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, when you look at the game pillars for Alpha 2, I, I do agree there. There needs to be a certain level of stability for the systems as a whole that I think needs to be there before you get to that Alpha 2 stage. 
Um, I think you can still be in a place throughout Alpha 2 where you're like going, okay, combat specifically is a good example of that. Uh, combat and overall server performance and large scale uh, combat performance, I think is probably the thing that's going to take, in my opinion, a lot of the work or if not the majority of the work um, in terms of like balancing and stabilizing um, in terms of like uh, performance, etc. That to me is probably that that's basically like a developer's end game from my perspective. Anyway, it's always adding new things that make uh, the game interesting, expanding upon the classes and the combat systems or or combat scenarios or whatever, and then balancing that uh, and, and balancing the juggling act between gear and all of that long term. Um, but. And I'm cool with that being something that's worked on, right? Um, but I think that things like the node development um, uh, and evolve evolution or whatever um, implementation of like these uh, like naval systems and stuff, like if if you're putting them in the game, from my perspective in Alpha Two, even though it's Alpha, they can't just be broken. They're going to need to be working to some at some some degree, even if they're not like oh, <laughs> Faisal, what's this? But, but, but Sim, I like my ship volleyball. Come on, man. You can't take that away from me. <laughs> oh, man. If you all saw the videos from Alpha Man. Ooh. Yeah, launching people in the, in the sky. I remember that. There was, like, a couple of people who, like, um, went and jumped. And the reason I say this is, like, basically, even in an Alpha, you shouldn't be having the problems that Amazon had with New World when the game launched. That shouldn't have even been happening in an alpha. People, you, you mean like typing in your chat and yep. able to adjust game code? Yep. Make it, yep, making it to where people can click on a link or image in your chat and they crash their game. Like being Turn able off to like developer dude, window the live client. Yeah. You know, yeah. stuff like that just shouldn't now. Do I believe that should that's gonna happen in Ashes? No, I don't. Steven he, he cares too much about things being and you know working a certain way like he's just at this point he's just not in a place where he's willing to even like let anybody jump in there if it doesn't foundationally hit a certain marker for him which is good clearly they didn't have that marker for the freaking new world game when it launched i'm sorry you're you're never gonna convince me they did that just someone knew that shit was possible don't even tell me they didn't someone knew it was possible it's basic, dude. I'm sorry. This is a rant for the LFM podcast. Catch me on Thursdays, 5 p.m. Same channel, same place. <laughs> Shameless plug. I'm just going to go on ahead and just, it's a sister podcast to this show. I'm just going to push it over that one. It's a general developer live stream discussion. I'll make a note. We'll talk about it then. I'll take a breath. My point is, as long as you don't have things like that going on in Alpha 2, I think you're going to be all right. And, and I think that's something that we can safely expect. In Alpha I do too. Like, if we're talking about expectations in Alpha <laughs> yeah, 2, I right. think having progress from where we left off with Alpha 1 is a fairly safe expectation with Intrepid. Because I, as you said, yeah. I don't think the studio is going to push a product out no. in an open development world where it's even worse than that. I, I I would I would go as far to say that Alpha Two is going to play better than certain aspects of other fully released games. I Just, it might not look as clean. Yeah, it, not say it won't be without bugs. Absolutely, yeah. we expect that. That's the point. But I think it'll be better than some fully released games. I'm not going to name any. Right Man, now. Um, 
man. <laughs> I, I I think I, I think Dale was kind of hit it with the larger slice uh, analogy here. We're gonna see a larger slice of Alpha One. Alpha Two is supposed to be persistent servers. Meaning they're going to be around and they'll be updated as we go. Alpha 2 is going to be an evolution. It's not going to be a here's yes. everything day one. Right. I expect yeah. Alpha 2 to launch where Alpha 1 kind of left off. That would be an yeah. expectation, I feel. There might be more to it, you know, such as all the classes, such as the combat revamp that we're going to see. But in time, I do expect to see all the mechanical systems, sieges, caravans, mm. augments, uh, organ social organizations, religions, uh, no development to unlock uh, other areas and vassal mm. a little bit further, being able to schedule sieges, like this, uh, the proper scheduling system right. for node sieges, yep. not just castle sieges, but node as well. Mm -hmm. Naval content, you know, all of the, the main key components, crafting in the artisan system as well, which they did say was going to be in there. But all of these things, because they tie into each other mechanically, have to be tested in Alpha 2. That is not a beta test. I'm cool with them rolling things out staggered. I would expect that. I do not expect this to all be, here you go, day one. Here's everything. I, I, I think they that did that, though. That would be insane. It, it would be. If anything, all that's going to do is delay the Alpha 1 start date, which is fine. I would absolutely expect to be in an, a persistent Alpha 2 stage for a year. Easily, mm -hmm. because why not? <laughs> if Alpha Two servers are persistent, why not just keep them around? But those mechanical systems are going to be so integral that we have to be able to test them all. Yeah. If they don't want to reveal secrets about the game and they want things to be hidden, you know, put flavor text in there for yeah. quests. Just make mm -hmm. it. You don't have to spend a lot of time and effort writing out some false story that's going to get diluted or right. deleted later on just yeah, be like oh uh, yeah just go over here go, go to talk to this person go over there talk to that person make it very simple it's about testing the mechanics and the trigger points right if you don't want to yeah. show us a metropolis yet set your all your dungeon or world boss spawning events to a node six development just yeah. adjust your trigger point yeah. and you can move that easily later on and do a very easy test for any bugs associated with that especially since they got their fancy node simulator that levels everything up That's and so cool. they can all their and all that right you know these things become much easier to do so i think that that's where my expectation for alpha 2 is it's seeing all of these core systems come in over a period of time including augments mm -hmm. uh, class augments social augments uh, clan leader guild castle control augments whatever the augments are i expect to see augments in the system because whether regardless of where the augment comes from, it should always it should pretty much all be the same. Right. In terms of seeing, like I don't expect to see the Talnar. I don't expect to see the Talnar to nah. Let's be realistic here. If if they were going to give it to us, they would have given it to us by now. Yeah, I wouldn't expect to see Talnar no. until the game launches. Nah, but there's no reason to. Maybe beta, maybe beta sometime or something. Already be tested in other ways. Yeah, it could be hidden into into skills and abilities if they want to add Talnar race. Mm. Of things right like to be to to be fair i could see the toner but i could i couldn't see the underwhelm yeah. until they, uh, that would make sense to me more mm, i think we got a bit of a preview of the underwhelm even in the flower cave in alpha one though yeah we have that that, that, that was a bit of a that, that, that was a bit of the underwhelm experience i think it, we're going to see a bit of a variety mm. um in well, the underwhelm but i think that was kind of the base Make a city that's on that's in. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. no development underground. Yeah. 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 
But again, like that's something that they don't need to put in to an alpha stage, yes. especially because we can test mm -hmm. node development. That's the mechanical aspect. The visual aspect of how the environment changes based on the node development and you know where you place buildings and whatnot, that absolutely does not need to be public-facing testing. Right. That can be done in the yeah. studio. As long as the trigger points and the actual development happens when it's supposed to happen and doesn't have any like really weird, crazy issues that it causes in the world by developing these events, then we've done our job as testers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Daedalus, maybe you had some points related to New World you wanted to chime in on? Yeah, I mean, I would yeah. just say like if I had to pick out like what I think the root cause or some of the biggest um things that i think set up new world to fail where i feel like there's evidence from intrepid standpoint at least as far as i can see that they're not following that same track is twofold i mean first is and new world's vision was fluid they changed their vision in order to maximize their profit and that's one thing we've heard pretty consistently from Steven is that this game isn't for everyone. If you don't like it, don't don't buy a a pack. Nobody's forced. He's not forcing anyone to say, OK, well, you need to buy like all of our stuff. You need to buy all of this mm -hmm. in order to have like X, Y, Z experience. There's there's that. Right. And that's number one. I think there's there's a level of quality that you're going to achieve when you adhere to a vision and and then the next piece of that is having a vision is one thing being able to execute it is quite a bit you know much more involved and i would say again right because i think there was a point that was made here that made me think of this second one is you have so much um happening with amazon in terms of they have a lot of funding to be able to throw at this they have, you know, that capital to be able to do it. They and they still can't execute where and and they tried to push something out fairly quickly. Um, and I would say, you know, from my perspective, they pushed things out fairly quickly um, yeah. because they wanted to start making a profit. And unfortunately, that quality of the game suffered because of it. Um, and And because that happened, now they're not they're not getting what they wanted out of it because they didn't take the time. And what Steven's doing with this is when it, when they see major issues, they stop and they pivot, right? They make sure those issues are resolved. They, you know, burn through whatever they need to burn through to make it better. And I, yeah. you know, that's kind of the second point that I think half tilt really reinforced well is we're expecting that level of baseline, um, performance that we had in alpha one is that's going to be our starting point right. and honestly if like my personal opinion is that that's setting the bar low i, I think agree. intrepid's going to exceed I, that 100 percent. yeah i think intrepid's going to exceed that and at the end of the day right they also aren't beholden to any investors yep. steven said i think he even might have said it in the like last one he of did. the last two live streams it's like if we're not at a state that i can you know yep. feel comfortable with this i've got more money to yep. invest in this yeah. i'm not letting a product go out there that we're not proud of 
Um, and that's unfortunately where other companies have fallen short is they, you know, they want to make their focus is on making the maximum bottom dollar versus making something good and that organically creating something that's profitable. Yeah. And this is, um, this is a luxury that Ashes of Creation has. It's, it's a luxury that's afforded to the game as a result of Stephen and John essentially going, we're going to make sure this thing happens. We're funding this with our money, regardless of, of what it takes. I mean, that's, that's been the, the discussion point for ages now. And, you know, it, that's the, that's the, the drastic difference between when people compare and I have to make, I have to note this because I talk about kickstarted games and MMORPGs that I, that I consider scam starters Chronicles of Valeria, it's my opinion. But right? Because you're not gonna the money raised in that Kickstarter is not gonna fund an MMORPG of that scale with those those things, right? It's just not. Okay. And more importantly, like if you don't if you don't have that's the beauty of this being my show, right? Call out the bullshit as I smell it. And that's I, I consider bullshit. Right. I I never miss out on an opportunity to give old, you know. Caspian, the friendly, you know, ghost, a good old stick when he deserves it, because the dude, in my opinion, is a scam scammer, man. You know, you look at the evidence and it's out there. And the thing is, is it takes money to make an MMORPG, especially one of this scale. Not doing it like Dreamworld with sixty thousand dollars and then delivering sixty grand and then like delivering on something that's gonna, you know, be that big of a game. You're just not doing it. It takes a lot of money and you you get in between two points. You get on one end where you're a completely indie developer, which there are ones out there that are are doing an admirable job, right? That are that are trying really hard. Pantheon Rise of the Fallen is probably one of the only other hopeful, you know, smaller studios, in my opinion, that's really working towards delivering upon, you know, this game for community that has been behind it since its inception. And Ashes of Creation. And Ashes of Creation has the luxury of money. It's that needle in a haystack scenario of someone who has wealth, right? Who wants to deliver a, a game and is not beholden to investors. You know, you look at AAA Studios, they got the money to make the game. But when you're beholden to investors or you've got to meet like quotas or you've got like these markers to hit and you can't go, you know, you get the developers to come up and go, you know what, man? Uh, we can definitely do this. It, I'm sorry, but this is just getting delayed. And the board's going, we've got quarterlies coming up. You got to. Sorry, that's more important. Then you're in a scenario. Where I believe we are with other games that exist currently. <clears throat> this is that needle, needle in a haystack scenario where the person's like, you know, we got the money to make it happen. And we're not completely relying on our kickstarter money it wasn't that kickstarter money was not to solely make the game it never was intended that way and that's been stated it was stated even in the kickstarter video so we can't compare this game to other kickstarter games and we can't compare it to AAA studio games but eh, you know if they stay the course i mean if this game launches not bug free you know, if it goes through testing, not bug free, not problem free, but if it just 
goes through the processes of being honest, being doing right by the community, taking the time that's necessary, you know, and delivering upon the vision. I believe that's all Ashes is going to have to do to be a no brainer for, for the majority of people. And like I, I go back to again, if New World showed us anything, it's that people just want a game that delivers upon the vision that isn't going to waste people's time or money in respect to those things. If you do that, I think this day and age, an MMO's got a glorious chance at thriving. People just want a good, Ooh. stable game that yeah. they can sink themselves into. Yep. Like It's not yep. rocket science. Nope. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, Ashes is that needle of a haystack where we they don't have to answer to investors. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, you can understand where those companies are, where a AAA studio, if they've got a hundred million dollars that they need to invest in a game for development, the people investing that money are going to want results. They're not just going to be like, oh, yeah, a hundred million dollars. Fine. Take it. I mean, some people might be like that, but nobody that has that kind of money got there by just willy nilly pissing it away. Right? right. So they want to see results. And, and unfortunately, that puts the company in a very difficult position. The developers, yeah. I can almost guarantee you, are never the ones at fault in this scenario. It's But the board's, you know, sitting there between a rock and a hard place where they've got the people that are passionate about developing the game. They might may or may not be gamers themselves. I'm going to put the dotted right. line on the side of no. But they're also have for where they have to answer to people. And that's where their money comes from. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a shitty situation to be stuck in when it comes right. to AAA studios that way. Unless you've got a proven track record of being able to deliver on your guarantees to your investors, and those right. are investors are like, yeah, okay, you know what, I I, I trust you, especially right. in this day and age, you know. The thing is, it's not just that they want to maximize profits as much as they can. So yeah. they'll put all the systems at the cost. You. They'll try yeah. to milk you as much yeah. as possible. They want that revenue. Yeah. Like as much as they, oh, it's a nice vision and everything. But at the very end of the day, they're investors and they really want to see that money coming in, really. Um, so... Like I can't, like I can't fully blame the developers, or like all the time, because honestly, it's kind of hard to blame them when there is a stick that's very close to them. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Potion discussion. It's... it's okay. Yeah. Go 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 on go on. I forgot what I was going to say. I'll be honest. <laughs> the, the the train of thought has left the station without me. Oh man, dude. Oh my gosh. I'm going to share something with y'all. I can't, I can't do it here. It's, it's too inappropriate, but I just, I, God, I want to so bad. I, I gotta say, I gotta say this though. If they just stay the course, I have nothing but confidence in Intrepid, right? Uh, we can sit here and talk other games all day. I mean, there are plenty of reference points and I made the Chronicles of Valyria point because the, the real talk without being, I'm not, I'm not trying to be dirty. It's just, the scummy thing to do you had a massive community of people who actually really believed in this and now they're paying a price because quite frankly there aren't there weren't there aren't legal measures in place to protect the consumer and it's a good case study of how a, a situation like a kickstarter can go wrong and i believe ashes is going to be another great case study as well for how a kickstarter can really help things that thrive or has helped because it, it was literally onboarding people 
to be part of the development process. That's basically what it was. It was to help fund other additional things, gather some money, but it onboarded tons of people. And then, you know, now along the way, we're getting even more and more people onboarded and you got millions of people that have created accounts at this point, which is nuts, right? So there are a lot of people and there are all those people that wait also till the game launches. You don't see them. You don't hear from them. You don't know anything about them. And they're there in the beginning. And let's not forget the entry to Ashes is super low for a new person. You don't have to back the game. You don't have to get in on the testing. You literally can chill till the day the game launches and go, okay, I'll play it today. You pay the subscription fee. You got 30 days to make up your mind. If you don't like it, you're out 15 bucks only. It's the best mm-hmm. damn deal you're going to get for, for the majority of MMORPGs, unless they launch free to play. Then you got a whole other can of worms that usually come along with that anyway. But that, that's the best going rate since Blockbuster and all those other like actual rental stores right? closed down where you could go and rent a game for a week for five bucks. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, the, this is the next best. Oh, my thing. gosh. You know? Uh, I here's the thing too I I remembered what I was going to say now that made me feel old homie okay if you're a game developer and you're wanting to make money oh god MMO is not the way to do it that's not to say MMO players don't have money they're willing to spend on a game for cosmetics or pay to win aspects or whatever it is but you want to do that you need to trigger the dopamine rush in people how do you do that mobile games Make a mobile gotcha game and you will make millions, billions if it's if you make it appealing enough to people. You you create that Man. dopamine rush and, and then you market that. You profit off that. You sell it. And, and man, I've been playing mobile games and gotcha games for a long time, mostly free to play. Yeah. But the amount of money I see some people spend on this game, like average players spending 100, 150 bucks a month on a game is like in the million, I'm talking the quantity of millions of players is very normal. And some people like the big whales, you know, they're spending easily 15,000 a month on games. Like look at Raid Shadow Legends or something like that. Like not to plug it or anything, but holy crap. The amount of money that the average player spends on that game, never yeah, mind the true. big whales. Yeah. It's insane. If you if money is what you're after for your investors, do that. Mm. Stop making these bullshit games for MMOs trying to cash <laughs> grab on it because you're gonna fail. You're gonna lose money. <laughs> he basically <laughs> so, just said, if you're just trying to make a lot of money doing games, don't pick an MMORPG. Just go make a mobile game. Th- that's it cost you a lot less to make and you're going to make a hell of a lot more stay out of our genre you punks there's actually a study in 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 business practice where (laughs) they basically tell you that when when you hold money it's different when it's virtual money Mm, because when you hold money you can feel spending your money here and there you know what this is a this amount actually costs when your credit card's on Google Play and you just have to fingerprint your, your approval for it, man, yeah, your much. money's gone. Man. Right. <laughs> Why I never enabled the fingerprinter on my phone because there's always made that conscious decision, okay, I have to enter my mm-hmm. bathroom. You know what? No, it's not worth it. I'd rather go exactly. buy my kids something or, you know. 
No, I put the whole card details. Like I have to put the number, the name, the date, just to make sure that what I'm spending is the right choice. <laughs> but you need that check. You need that check because they always try to lure you in with some really cheap, amazing yeah, pack man. to get your get get you oh, used yeah. to paying. Right. That's the thing. You Make need that, normal, that low it. barrier of entry to mm. normalize it to to get you to open your wallet the first time. Right. That's the, that's the hardest part is getting you to open your wallet the first time because once you do it the first time, it becomes really easy and tempting to do it every time after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are good games out there too. I mean, I gotta you know Final Fantasy fourteen. I, we, I know we gotta get we gotta wind this one down, but Final Fantasy fourteen has done a stellar job of. Uh, I mean, I I talk about you know companies, you know developers. I mean, they're just they're 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 killing it, right? You you don't even have I, I you don't have to like the game or play it, but like when I sit back and look at that company and look at how they've managed the game, listened to the community, and made adjustments, you know, to to really kind of like stay true to their vision, do right by their community. They've just done a great job. So it's good to see that there are games out there that are still doing that and are capable of doing that. Um, it's, it's good, you know, because there are a lot of games that have been so focused on just like taking and not giving, you know, like monetize your time, like Archage Unchained and Archage un- relaunched with freaking cacao. Right. That in my opinion is a suck ass experience. I logged in on that thing. I just had to check it out. I've had, I got an Arcage account that goes all the way back, yo. It's literally like it pop up on the corner. I feel like most people are just sitting in there like log, logged on for four hours a day to collect their eight keys, right? Or whatever, eight boxes or whatever so they can get their keys out of the shop. And I'm just like, the incentive to play the game, it's, you know what I mean? You're not sending people in the world. You're going beyond for four hours straight. Get your keys, turn them in. You see, this is the this is the the common recipe. So, you know, the road most followed is is in my experience the the one that has you in the game, in the world, adventuring and actually exploring the game itself the least, in my opinion. But I think it's a good note to end on. And, and you know, what, what's your perspective, everybody? If you were watching today's podcast, listening to it later, um, definitely want y'all to chime in on this. Like we've we've hit on a few topics, but we've we've hit on a bunch of the different layers to those topics. What we do on the Pathfinder podcast. Also, we're on episode one fifty nine. We at one sixty next week, y'all. Like, damn, hell yeah. We are just like That's awesome, man. God, dude, how in the hell are we at one sixty already? It feels like we hit a hundred not that long ago. It does. Jeez. <laughs> you know, we're going to probably hit 200 before the end of the year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Isn't that crazy? The LFM podcast hits 100 this year, too. That's nuts, dude. I'm mind blown. This is why I have a lot of white hairs, I think. It's fine. <laughs> totally, this is why. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this <laughs> is totally the reason. No, it's just a layer. This is like the therapy, actually. This is like the good stuff. This is where I get on to like unwind. Hang with the homies, chat ashes, hang with the ashes fam, our fellow Pathfinders here. So friends, we're going to be winding this one down until the next time. So we're going to let our fellow companions here, or Pathfinders on the show, shout out their domains and where you can find them when you're not here on this podcast, Daedalus. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash the Ashen Herald. And half tilt. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at half underscore tilt or shoot me a message on Discord at half tilt gamer. And Cozy Faisal. You guys can find me on Twitch as Faisal108 and on Twitter as Vehicle108. Nice. And uh, as always, got to remind you all, right, this might be the end of today's podcast, end of today's show. But closing, got to remind you all that whether you listen to the podcast, watch it on YouTube, right, listen to it on your drive to work, however you do, however you watch it, you listen to it, whether you're here with us live. Remember, you don't have to be on this roundtable, but if we're, you know, speaking here. You don't have to be on the show yourself to be a Pathfinder. You just got to be part of the journey with us. So much love to all of you. Much love to Intrepid Studios. And until next week, until the next show, live your best lives. Walk in the light or the shade. Have a great night. We'll see you real soon, friends. Take care, everyone.